I'm Shauna Van Bogart, and this is Just Being. My husband Jay had parked his truck and saw what looked like a homeless man walking by. He asked if he was hungry, and the guy said yes, so he pulled out some snacks and food that he keeps in his truck and passed them off. A few weeks later, it was late at night, and Jay was trying to load something heavy in his truck. A man is walking by and asks, do you need some help? And actually, yes, my husband said. So the man helps him lift this heavy object in the truck, and before he starts to walk away, he looks at Jay and says, do you remember me? You gave me some food a few weeks ago, and I was absolutely starving. Thank you again, and I'm so glad I could repay the favor. To give means to receive. This is such a beautiful example of the law of reciprocity. Eric Butterworth of Spiritual Economics says the law is exact if you give really work in a giving consciousness, you must receive. I have never, not once, witnessed a consciousness of giving not met with receiving. Sometimes it's not direct. It's not a direct reciprocation as the example with my husband that is so awesome. But we may not even realize that it does circle back around to receiving. And I would often argue that receiving and giving are essentially one and the same. Eric Butterworth goes on to say that if all you get out of your work is a paycheck, you are shortchanging yourself. And if you're asking the question, what's in it for me, you are being grossly underpaid, even if you make six figures. In 2015, I was managing two businesses, and despite their achievements, I was feeling grossly underpaid in the fulfillment bucket. Sure, it felt good to achieve, but its effects had a shorter and shorter shelf life the more milestones I hit. But here's where things get interesting. I had always been quite involved in my community, and the one organization that I spent the most time with was a local organization called the Center for Women. I sat on their board for six years and was actively involved in their programming. There was a unique opportunity at one point to help them rebuild their Women's Business Center, which was funded through the SBA out of Washington, D.C., And there was no question, none in my mind, that I wanted to get my hands on that program. The program served as a way for local women to get free business coaching and to help them launch and grow businesses. While the programming was getting some results, it definitely needed an overhaul, and I leapt at that opportunity. I didn't think twice about it. I did not think twice about giving my time and efforts to it. I moved so quickly on it because it was something I was so passionate about that it became essentially a part-time opportunity to which they did bring me on as a contractor. But in exchange, I was going to have to give up my client work in the state of South Carolina under my contract terms due to conflicts of interest. And to be honest, giving up that revenue, which was a lot, by the way, wasn't even a question on my mind. I had my other business and I just felt this pull. I just felt like I needed to be there, that I could offer them so much. I often work with clients at an impasse in their life, often telling me that they cannot see the next stepping stone. And I always remind them it's there. I promise you it's there, but you've got to surrender control and surrender your stories around what 
the business looks like. So often we feel an intuitive pull in a direction, but we don't move on it or we dismiss it because it doesn't make logical sense or it's in a direction that we can't see a path to revenue. So we don't pursue it and we judge it as not important. If you feel a pull, go there. If it doesn't make logical sense, I actually say you're even more so looking in the right direction. And especially if that pull is not leaving you, if it keeps coming back, that is your intuition speaking and it's asking you to allow something to flow in. So I engaged in the rebuilding of this Women's Business Center and I worked very closely with this woman, Jess Butler, to rework the programming and build a pathway to easier access for women to get the counsel and the coaching that they needed to launch their businesses. And we loved this work. We loved working together. I met the most incredible women with the most amazing stories, especially stories of triumph. I had an opportunity to interact with and engage with hundreds of women all in various and diverse fields, whether that be through the programming or direct one-on-one business coaching. And As a result of our efforts, the center received national accolades for what we were doing, and the head office in D.C. was touting our program as a stellar example to other organizations funded through the SBA. But eventually, my contract ended, and my counterpart, the woman I was working directly with to rebuild this program, Jess, she moved on with her military husband. I returned to primarily focusing on my businesses feeling even more of the void than ever before. And it was like this experience that I had had with the Center for Women filled me with so much satisfaction and fulfillment that the contrast of that with what was going on in my business and my my energy that I was bringing to my business was undeniable and unavoidable. I was simultaneously doing some of the deepest level work on myself that I had ever done. I was meeting with my coach, Aleka, and we were discussing my anxiousness around my work. And she asked me, well, what's showing up for you right now? I didn't understand the basis of her question at first, but what she was getting at was what was in my periphery that I may be missing as a result of being too heavily focused in on my businesses. Nothing came to mind at first. She pressed a little harder by saying, Well, what other things have you felt called to spend your time on? Are there any patterns showing up, maybe in the form of repeated questions that you've been getting, or maybe people making comments to you? So I started to describe the work I was doing at the center with the business coaching and programming. So crazy that this did not come to mind when she asked, what am I spending my time on? Because this was the number one thing I was talking about with the most excitement in my life at that time. This is how much in denial I was of all of the gold and the things I was supposed to be capturing from it. it, it the fact that it wasn't even coming up when she asked me, well, what are you spending your time on? And finally, when I did get to that after her prompting, it was like the alarms went off with a big neon sign saying blind spot, blind spot. As soon as I started talking about it, there it was right in front of me, coaching, freaking coaching people. The one thing I had been consistently doing since day one in my career, holding space for people to step into their dreams, creating frameworks in which to help them do so. It had always been there. I was drowning in it practically. And I had unconsciously 
moved myself into spaces with this nonprofit work, especially to do this very thing that gave me so much satisfaction. But I wasn't seeing it as the way, my way to success. I was dismissing it for many reasons. The reasons were untruths because I don't actually believe this as shown through my very real investment in coaching for myself and the results I was getting as a coach myself. But a part of me was judging coaching as it related to my career and my trajectory as a major step backward. I had been in the online information product space for so long that I thought my next biggest play was to go bigger in that realm, to market a framework to the world in an online e-course format because this was the place that I had had success, my biggest success. So it made logical sense to do more of the same. But the idea at that point and with where I was at of building out more funnels, creating autoresponders, driving opt-ins and email signups literally sucked the soul right out of me. I was so over it. I was so disgusted with it. I was feeling so disconnected from myself and from other people. That time spent at the Center for Women helping them rebuild their business center gave me so much joy and satisfaction. That was what connected me back to my soul. And in my soul was the very thing I was searching for, my zone of genius. It was me. At the same time, mind you, nearly everyone around me is telling me, practically shaking me by the shoulder, Shauna. You're a freaking coach. And I seriously wasn't hearing it. I was so convinced it was something else because I was looking in all of the wrong directions. And I had completely stripped me from my own businesses. Despite my photo being on the website, I was not using my intuition. I was not using my skills as an empath. I was not connecting to the deep levels with people that I so craved. Where was me when you looked at my businesses? And I was so deeply distracted by looking in the rearview mirror of my career that I had one foot in my past and one foot in my future. No feet in the present. The universe cannot make moves with incongruence, so I had to stop looking backward. I had to stop viewing my steps forward based on the highs of my past and trying to recreate them. I had to solicit the help of others to point out my blind spots and show me who I was. And I had to listen to them. I had to borrow faith from them before I could own it for myself. I gave time and effort and money to the Center for Women, and it gave me my soul back. Obviously, I didn't go into it with that in mind. More true is the statement that I was giving them my soul without even realizing it. And what I got back was the perspective of seeing it again. And you know what's even more amazing? Years later, Jess, my counterpart at the center, who I had become very close with and absolutely loved working with, would, in a very roundabout way, become my operations director. A week before I hired her, I had put out to the universe, I'm not even kidding you, I had just declared and made it official that I was committing to hiring an operations director. Jess coincidentally texts me out of the blue. We hadn't spoken in a very long time since she moved and it hit me. Oh my gosh, she would be perfect. She was a new mom, a military wife, and she literally fit my job description to a T. When we spoke on the phone, she asked if she should send her resume. And I said, Jess, this interview is more for you to vet me to see if you want it. 
she gladly accepted, and we are both thrilled to be working together again. The law is exact. If you give, really work in a giving consciousness, you must receive. If there's friction in your career, if you're at an impasse, if you've been feeling you're out of alignment for some time, or maybe you're in the roller coaster of feeling unfulfilled and then you hype yourself back up about it, only to return to unfulfillment again. What needs to give way is for you to see again. You need to get the view from the top. You need to be willing to raise your hand to say, I don't know, to surrender control, to surrender story, perhaps even to surrender the vision that you've been carrying around for some time now. I firmly believe our answers are built in. The support that comes from coaches and mentors should be aimed at not giving you your answers per se, but clearing the path so you can tap into them for yourself. I will tell you the most profitable path to success as I've experienced it and as I've witnessed for my clients is to stop searching for it. Seriously, less searching, more seeing. More seeing leads to more being. More being leads to more giving. And more giving always leads to receiving. Success is inevitable. Stop searching for it. Success is inevitable. Your answers are built in. To see them, you have to be connected to yourself, your whole self. To do so, you have to get clear on where you have been dismissing yourself, dismissing your emotions and your own talents, and pay attention to the stories you tell about them. You have to get light. I could not see what was right in front of me. If I was paying attention to my emotions and really owning them, there's no way I would have missed it. I was taking all the right steps this entire time, but instead of receiving them, grounding into all that was happening, I was constantly searching. Because everything I was doing was so externally referenced, I was shape-shifting, running around, ebbing, flowing, avoiding ownership over my feelings and dismissing my deepest desires. And if I'm being honest, the ease scared me. The story thus far had been, success is hard, you must work for it to pay off. A common, very deep narrative culturally and within my clients. The idea that what came most easy to me, coaching, could pay off was absurd. You might as well told me that unicorns really do exist and they poop glitter. I mean, ease was not real because it was so outside of my periphery that it could actually be easy because all I had experienced was Making money is hard. But then I remembered. I remembered that first year in business when things just flowed. I remembered that blissful ignorance. I remember being so internally directed. I remembered operating intuitively. I had destroyed the vision of my first business, but the essence was still there. And that's what was most important. I wanted to transform people. If I still had all those notebooks I had ripped up, you would flip through the pages and what you would see written on them is exactly what I'm doing now. I have always been clear from day one. It was always there, the depth, the connection, the purpose. I believe we all have a theme, call it dharma, call it purpose, but that theme is always with us. It may take different forms. It may show up in different containers, but the theme is unshakable. As I said before, it's not fickle. It doesn't leave us. 
What lights you up? What moves you in your heart when you're doing it? What could you do every day and despite its challenges, despite its setbacks, you'd still gladly show up day after day? What feels unconditionally loved? What do you give effortlessly to? If success is inevitable, what would you do? And why may you be dismissing it? What stories are you telling around it? Albert Hubbard, writer and philosopher, said, Success is the most natural thing in the world. The person who does not succeed has placed himself in opposition to the laws of the universe. Where is their opportunity to surrender? Where is their opportunity to trust again? Where is their opportunity for ease? And where is their opportunity for ownership over who you really are? You know what happens once the view snaps into place? Things blow again. I can sit here and tell you all the conscious decisions I made about going two feet into coaching, but it was all intuitive. I knew immediately what to do, immediately, and I acted quick and results came just as quick. One of the major conscious decisions I made was to do the very opposite of what I had always done. I briefly talked about this in another episode, but to recap, I did no shiny launches, no big website buildouts, no email list, no funnel, no opt-in, low-tech, high-touch. I made space. Over time, I phased out my contributors to Best Kept Self. Eventually, I carefully and thoughtfully phased Best Kept Self out entirely. I let go of my office. I let go of my contractors and my interns. I deleted email lists with thousands of people on them. I shut down social assets with thousands of people on them. I felt eager to blank slate everything. It was extreme, and I don't think people have to go to this level of extreme But I knew for me, my habit of looking in the rearview mirror, and for me personally, I just knew I needed to rip the Band-Aid completely. I knew that that's what it would take for me to go both feet in. All intuitive movements, by the way. Despite coaching always being a part of me and my business, I never really actively marketed it. People organically sought me out. You know what the irony is? One of my most favorite and repeat clients came organically as a result of attending my Best Kept Self launch party. So it was always working for me. No matter what I was doing, I was getting what I wanted indirectly. I started taking action steps that I had previously judged as a step backward. I released my need to be big and shiny. I let go of all narratives and external references and went completely inside of myself. I put blinders on. I limited my intake of media, books, advice. And for the first time, I was literally just being. And my how was completely taken care of. I knew what to do. And I have known what to do ever since because I'm not focused on what to do. I'm focused on being me, being all of me. This included owning my intuition and its gifts. And the intuition piece is what makes my coaching so easy. And it being easy was why I discarded it. So often when things come easily to us, we question its value. Sometimes wondering if it comes so easy to me, are other people really going to pay for this? There was nothing more for me to do, to add, to research, to collect, no data to acquire, more doing it was clear, was not the path forward. 
And the more I just started being, the faster my stepping stones were laid, the more I sought to combine the side of me that was intuitive and I pulled it out of the closet and the practical, logical side and brought congruency to all of me, the better the results I got. Just as Elizabeth Gilbert explains in her book, Big Magic, that ideas are just as eager to find you as you are to find them. The right clients and customers will find you so long as you shine that light bright enough for them to see it. That feeling of my first year in business came back to me 10x and it happened quick. I sent one email to 15 hand-selected people and that kicked off my first round of clients that generated thousands of dollars in revenue just through direct conversion and referrals alone. But the money isn't what made it great. My level of satisfaction and fulfillment and how quickly it came back to me left me saying, why did I not do this so much sooner? But I know that question doesn't matter because you know what? Mackenzie Image Consulting was right because it gave me my foundation for transformation and working with clients. Grad school was right because it gave me credibility. The studio was right because it gave me teaching and the satisfaction of helping people move into their dream career. Best Kept Self was right because it added the next level of depth to personal transformation and it opened my eyes to the clarity that I'm not meant to be a backseat operator of a business. I am meant to shine my light. It is supposed to be about me. And the Center for Women was right because it gave me my soul and it gave me Jess. All moves are the right moves. The path unfolded and the dots connected despite hitting some of the lowest lows financially with my health, emotionally over the past 12 years that I've ever faced. But I was never lost. I was just misseeing. I was swimming in meanness and I couldn't even see it. A big reason things fell into place and continue to fall into place more rapidly and more easily as I continue along since making this shift is that I stopped viewing success as a fluke. This is a big one. I want you to really hear this. I actually believe most people, especially the high achievers and the super proactive people that I work with, know deep down that they can do it, that whatever they set their minds to, they will figure it out. I don't really see that as the common challenge among the people who come to work with me. It's more about replicating it that they are unconsciously struggling with. Depending on what's happened in their career of building a business or even what's played out in their childhood, likely a narrative has been created that working hard is the only way to get what they want. And once they get it, they better clutch tightly to it because It may not last. It's this feeling that the rug is going to be pulled from them. And when that's at play, the bigger the achievements, the bigger the vision, the more overwhelm and resistance kicks in. Because if that's the underlying subconscious tape that's playing out, then as a protective mechanism, they sabotage. Because the idea is, what does it matter? I see energetically this vision of both hands up in the air going, what's the point? I put in all this effort, energy, time, and sure, the first launch will be great because I know I can figure it out, but it always returns to struggle. 
Again, all of this is unconscious. When people have been in the habit of grinding, working hard to get their results, they don't even realize they're actually reinforcing the idea that success is circumstantial rather than inevitable. Meaning that when success does happen, their subconscious says, well, the circumstances were right this time. It was luck. It was a fluke. But the interesting thing is that when they're struggling, when they fail, that is owned. They'll make that theirs. They'll own that, but not their success. In other words, the struggle is internalized as they're responsible for that. But the success, that's a fluke. It was circumstantial. It was luck. They attach to their failures by taking them personally, and they detach from their success by doubting if it can be replicated, if it can be sustained. This ties into receiving, but the nature of it is realizing that when things do go right, when the first launch does happen and it does what you want it to do, don't jump into its shortcomings. Don't dismiss it immediately and don't get into thinking the rug's going to be pulled out from under you. Take a moment to just be with it. Don't immediately go into the pressure of, I've got to perform again. I've got to be able to replicate these same results. I've got to be able to keep it up at this level. Just be with it. Make the success personal. Internalize your success as yours. Realize that you were responsible for making this work. It wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't just a circumstance. It wasn't just luck. It's not a one-time thing. It doesn't have to be that the rug will soon be pulled because you're looking at the evidence behind you and all the times where that's been the case. It still is your choice. Failure is the fluke. Let me say it for the people in the back. Failure is the fluke. Success is inevitable. Detach from the struggle and make your wins about you. When things go right, when you succeed, and when you stop to fully receive what you just did for yourself, to own it, to personalize it, you are in essence having, you're having your success when you go through the process of receiving it. And you know what having your success means? That you're being a person who has success. And you know what that means? That when you're being successful, As a result of attaching to your success, personalizing it, internalizing it, and making it yours, it leads to more being successful. I could not be with my success because I was bad at just being all around. Being with success means feeling emotions. And as you know, for a very long time, I didn't feel. You can't just be if you don't let yourself receive and express The depth I was always searching for in my career was not out there in the next strategy or the next business model, the next course, even in the next group coaching program. The depth I was searching for was the real me, and the real me was piled under many, many layers of judgment, criticism, and dismissiveness. Me finding my sweet spot again required me to get light which was the work I was prompted to do with my personal coaches, mentors, shamans, energy healers, et cetera. I've done it all. And saying yes to getting that support once I pulled the trigger on it the first time became easier and easier. Again, flowing and moving in such a right way, I didn't even realize what was going on. I started making the investment in myself bigger 
than the investment I was making in my business, the exact opposite of how I operated for at least the first five years in my self-employed career. In fact, you could almost see an inverse correlation with the level of investment in my business and the results. The more I worked on fixing the business, the less the results. The more I worked on fixing me, the more results. I didn't realize that me getting help over being fed up with my behavior and attitudes in my marriage was the very right direction I needed to head to find the answers I was looking for in my business. It makes me appreciate the struggle and the annoyance over myself of dealing with jealousy and having that in me because that is the catalyst to why I went and got help in the first place. That is what ultimate self-worth and appreciation for your whole self looks and feels like, finding the grace in the things you hate about yourself, yet being willing to put your foot down to not tolerate them. Stop tolerating the struggle. The harsh truth I get at with my clients is helping them to realize they hang on to their struggle because they benefit from it somehow. Struggle gives them something, a payoff of some sort, or it wouldn't exist, period. For me, it was not having to be with my emotions. For me, it was a way to protect myself from the fear of success that I actually had. And for me, the payoff of struggle allowed me to stay in my comfort zone of not being seen for the real me. Struggle always has an internally guided and subconscious payoff. If struggle is consistent in any area of your life, it has an internally guided and subconscious payoff. And it's your work, your responsibility to find out what it is and your action to take is to get light again. I built businesses, I ran them, I scaled them, but I always left my truest self out of the picture. And it took me a long time to realize that that was the missing ingredient that kept me constantly striving for more. I found my way home and the results were immediate, but there's one piece to this equation we haven't yet spoken on that cannot be ignored. More to come on Just Being. SVB here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Just Being and that you'll be continuing along this journey with us in the next episode. In the meantime, I have pulled something from my personal toolbox and posted it for you over at my website on shaunavanbogart.com. You will definitely want this in your back pocket. It is for tapping into your truth quickly and getting unstuck fast. It is my personal three-sentence journaling hack that I use on a regular basis that helps me get really clear, feel better, and attract what I really want. It's to help me get out of my head and into motion and into inspired action as fast as possible. You can find this tool over at shaunavanbogart.com forward slash get light. Just Being is produced by Jeremy Enns and the team at Counterweight Creative. Special thanks to Sarah Ashman and her team, Shauna Hader, Michael Weston, and Kelly Elizabeth for making this labor of love look and feel as beautiful as I felt creating it. And to my right-hand woman, Jess Butler, for always keeping me in line.